Amen. Amen. I thank Diane for singing that song. I, uh, every time I hear it, I begin to cry. And uh, it's, <clears throat> I guess because, uh, you know, I, not a guess, I know it's because I know that there's a lot of you that are hurting. And that is my prayer, is that you would rather have the healer than the healing. That you'd rather have the one that gives than to give. Then, oh, that song just speaks volumes. You know, we uh, will finish up today with this uh, trust and making sure that we trust God. You know, whenever we started off with this, uh, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was last week, was it last week that we had the combined service? Well, last week. And Julio talked to us about, uh, you know, taking personal inventory, uh, you know, and how we're supposed to look at our lives. But whenever we look into this, uh, you know, it actually tells us that we are supposed to allow God to inventory our lives. After all, this trust test that we're taking is to check to make sure that God can trust us because we already know that we can trust God. But can God trust us? And for God to be able to trust us, we have to allow Him to take personal inventory, to inventory our lives. And as he inventories our lives, if there's something there that shouldn't be there, we're supposed to allow him to remove that. But then we also have to look at this and we have to realize or recognize that God is my, our only source. The old song says that he, only, he doesn't only own the cattle on the hillside, but he owns the hillside. He owns it all. He created us. If it wasn't for his creating hand, we wouldn't be here. And then we have to understand his principles. Now, we went through five of his principles last week. Now, the thing about it is, is that whenever we look at the His principles, I really need us to understand that these are not just simply suggestions. Uh, you know, that God really wants us and requires us to live our lives through these principles. So today, we look at this And somehow my numbering system has gotten way off because my first one that I have is number nine. But we're supposed to start off with six, right? We have six, not seven, six. The sixth principle that we need to understand is, is who's number one principle? Who's number one? Proverbs chapter three, verse nine 
It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. So whenever we look at this and who is number one, this matches up with our Wednesday night Bible studies as far as being last. And we have to understand that we are last, although we live our lives and we handle our lives and the things that God gives us because he's the source. As if he gives those to us because we're the most important thing in this relationship. Right? Men, whenever you're dating somebody, who's the most important thing in that relationship? Do not say your spouse. Because if we're honest, even whenever we're dating, we make everything look like it's for her. But it's really for me. You ask your wife, now that she's your wife, come along with me. You ask your wife, where does she want to go eat? Right? Where does she want to go eat? And then you tell her the places that you would like to go eat. I think the roasting company would be a really good place to go for lunch this afternoon. Wife, how would you, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I think that would be pretty good. What if you were craving Mexican? We have reverse psychology. Suggest a Japanese restaurant. You'll eventually get to the Mexican restaurant. Oh, I don't think I want that. That didn't settle on my stomach all that well. Who's number one? We're not the most important part of this relationship. God is. God is that most important part. The seventh thing that we look at and that we see here uh, you know, that, that we need to understand is, is that we are supposed to be cheerful givers. Right? Cheerful givers. So whenever somebody calls you because you have signed up to cut the grass for the church and here it is Friday afternoon and we need to make sure that the grass is cut for Saturday for church on Sunday and you get this phone call and you're like oh man I want to go golfing today or I want to go golfing tomorrow well you've put yourself number one in that thing that relationship and doing what God wants you to do. But then you're going to grudgingly do it, right? And if you grudgingly do something, are you going to do it your best? Huh. Peggy always asked me to vacuum the house for us and stuff. So what do I do? I, you know, I do a great job. Except for in the bedroom. Because she very seldom goes into the second bedroom. But everywhere else, I make sure that there's vacuum cleaner tracks. I do it right. A lot of times I don't do it very happily. I'm like, oh, okay. 
really, guys, I am really bad. We have this, uh, you know, trash pickup. All I have to do is put it outside the door. She's like, John, can you make sure that you get all the trash today? All the trash, like I don't get all the trash all the time. Y'all get it? I, I Very seldom do I get the trash out of the bathrooms. I get that one trash can in the kitchen. And I walk all the way to the door and set it right outside the door. That's difficult. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says, each man should give what he decides in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, but to give in response or to give in response of others. <laughs> okay. So this morning, whenever I ask you to give above and beyond your tithes and offerings, please don't give it because I asked you to give it. And if you did give it because I asked you to give it, if you could ask one of the ushers to please retrieve it for you. That's what this is saying. If your wife elbowed you and said, you need to give more today, hand her the checkbook. No, but that's what we're at. You know, we look at this and this passage of Scripture, it's telling us that we need to be a cheerful giver, but it has to be something that we want to give. Now, we want to give because we understand who's number one. We want to give because we also understand that God is my source. So all of these things are connected. Whenever he asks of us to give extra time, like cutting the grass or taking the trash out, and you're, whenever you're taking the trash out, man, please understand this, okay? You are creating a happy home, and that's your responsibility. So we look at this, and we see that this must be something that is done cheerfully. Now, I'm going to meddle just a little bit, okay? Because I know that the Scripture says in the Old Testament that you're supposed to give a tenth of everything that you bring into your storehouse. So we deal with it and we say, okay, you are supposed to give a tenth of your tithes. So whatever God blesses you with, you are supposed to give a tenth of that. Can I suggest that we have become some sort of a legalistic society whenever we say that if you do not tithe 10%, then you're not giving what God truly wants you to give? Because the scripture simply tells, uh, you know, and uh, you know, we see here in Luke, uh, you know, it says that whether you give large or you give small, that you, were, that you will receive within the measure that you give. So if you give a lot, then God is going to bless you with a lot. If you give a little, then God is going to bless you with a little. But if all you have is a little, God understands that that little that you give is a lot because of where you are, then He's going to bless you with a lot. 
So if you do not have 10% to be able to give him, and you still give as much as you can, then you give as much as you can. Now I'm going to meddle a little bit more. Because if you can't afford to give 10%, then you have not budgeted properly. Therefore, you have not done what God has asked you to do. And you need to rework your finances to where you budget in 10%. See, if we give because we love, then we just simply look at it and we say, well, how much can I give? If we give because it's legalistic, because I just simply want to meet this 10%, then we look at this and we say, well, how little can I give and still get away with it? We work that way. I can work this hard. And keep my job. Or I can work this hard. And I can get praises from my bosses. I can give of this much time to God. And I have given what is required of me. I can give this much to God. And God will pour out his blessings upon me. So where are you? Are you legalistically giving your 10%? Or are you praising God and cheerfully giving your 10% and sometimes more? Or are you praising God because the little bit of money that you have, you're giving it to Him? Y'all don't like this, do y'all? So the next principle that we look at, it's the big shovel principle. And this is Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, if you give, you will receive. That's pretty easy right there, right? If you give, you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full measure. Plain and simple, right? If you give, you'll receive. Your gift will return in full measure. Press down. Shaken to make more room. Running over. Whatever measurement you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure what is giving back to you. Now, the big shovel, this principle must be tied into the cheerful giver. If you have a big shovel and you give a lot so that you can receive a lot, you're giving it for the wrong reason and you won't receive the gift. If you give with a big shovel because you're a cheerful giver, then God will bless you. It's all in that attitude. It's got to be tied into 
of that attitude. But of course we can't have the good attitude if we don't know who's number one. Who's the most important in this relationship. Now, I don't want us to be so narrow-minded that you think that I am talking about just your tithing. Because can I be honest with you? That if you refuse to tithe, that this church will still keep going. Because it's God's church. Can I also give you this? If you refuse to tithe, he will refuse to bless you. I'm not going to meddle for just a little bit. The ninth one that we look at is the river principle. The river principle. Winston Churchill says this. I make a living by what I get, but I make a life by what I give. See, it's a river. It comes into us and it flows out. God's word comes into us and it flows out. God's love and God's mercy comes into us and it flows out. God's blessings comes into us and it flows out. There's five, count them, five outlets for what we receive in this river. The first outlet that we have is the biggest. It's our lips. Well, wait a minute. Maybe it's our mouth. We're supposed to talk it. We're supposed to talk our praises. We're supposed to let people know what God is doing. Not only by what we live, but by what we say. The second outlet is... My life. I got those backwards, didn't I? So the first one is our life. Second one is our lips. Same thing. We're going to continue. Our life, uh, you know, because we have to live it before the people that God has for us. If God blesses us, we can't mope around and sit around and say, oh, is me. Our ministry. Each and every one of us has a ministry. Regardless of what you think. We all have a ministry. Chris and Courtney and Robbie up here singing. Diane singing the special for us this morning. We all have a ministry. You know, I uh, had a wonderful time this weekend with the Hispanic church on Friday night and on Saturdays. Uh, you know, we had fried tacos Saturday. There were three ladies in that hot kitchen making homemade. <laughs> making homemade fried tacos. Wow. Yeah. Whew, 
I, I know that I gained at least five pounds just in those two days. Nancy makes what she calls a three milk cake. Oh, man. After that second piece, I had to say, please, no more. Oh, golly, it was good. Those are ministries. Cooking, cleaning, singing. Those are all ministries. Playing an instrument. If you can keep rhythm, as you could tell this morning, we need help. Keeping rhythm. Uh, you know, can we get some uh, tambourines to pass out to the congregation? Because I got no rhythm. So, I, you know, I was trying my best to keep up with Courtney, but then she quit. She was doing really good patting her leg, but she quit. We need help. Uh, another outlet, of course, is our money. Do I not have ministry up there? Huh? Money? Money is the fourth outlet. How, you know, because God does bless us with money. He blesses us with good jobs. How, you know, He blesses us with finances and dealing with the things that we have. Prayer. Prayer has to be an outlet. The problem with our prayer is a lot of times is our prayer, we pray for ourselves instead of praying for others. Uh, you know, it's an outlet. On any given Sunday, there's at least three pastors that I text a prayer to every Sunday morning. Praying for their service and for their ministry. Praying for their family and for their children. Prayers. Those are outlets as far as what God has given to us is that it flows outwardly. Now the thing about it is that whenever we're talking about this river philosophy or this river principle, we have something that comes in and it flows in, but all too often we allow a beaver dam to build up. And although we have a flow that's going out, it's not going out as strong as it's coming in. So then what happens? What happens? Do we have anybody that knows what happens? Gets backed up. What happens to the water on the sides that gets backed up? Bacteria begins to grow. If we don't allow it to flow out, the water that hits the dam begins to back up and it begins to get out of the current and it begins to settle. And whenever it begins to settle, bad stuff begins to grow. Because we're not doing what God has asked us to do. He has asked us that as He blesses us, that we bless others. As He gives to us, we give to others. As He provides for us, we help provide for others. It's becoming really popular now 
uh, you know, in these days, uh, you know, that if you try to bless someone by giving them money and they reject it, the best way to get through that is, is to just simply say, uh, you know, if you don't take this, then you're not allowing God to bless me. Because God has given me this so that I can give this to you. And if I give this to you because I have the right cheerful heart and because I'm doing it with the big shovel attitude and because I am part of the river and I am allowing it to flow out as fast as it comes in, God will then bless me. It must flow out. My life, our life, it has to be a river. It can never turn into a reservoir. If it turns into a reservoir, we begin to die. We die within because God cannot bless us. I told y'all that I was going to quit meddling for a little bit, but now it's time for me to step back in and to meddle for a little bit more. Because whenever we're dealing with this river principle and we look at this, let me be honest and frank with you because there's a lot of times that we pray out to God and we ask God to bless us. And the whole time that we're asking God to bless us, we're living out in the world. We're living a life of sin. We can ask God to bless our marriage or to to bless our family, but yet we're living out of wedlock. We can ask God to bless our home, but yet we bring alcohol into the home. Or we have drugs that's in the home. Or we have, you know, there's all these things that we bring into this world. God will not and God cannot bless a person's life if they are not living according to His will. If they are not doing the things that He requires of us to do as Christians... He will not and He cannot bless us. We are forfeiting the things that He can give to us or that He will give to us. Now, that is not to say that good things still won't happen to us as we live these lives. Because God gives to the just and He gives to the unjust. It's God's prerogative on who he blesses and who he doesn't bless. But I can tell you, if you profess to be a Christian and you are not living a Christian life, God is not blessing you. The tenth and the final principle that we need to understand is that the who has who principle. Do you have God or does God have you? Who has who? As long as you have control of your life, your life is out of control. As long as you think you can still accomplish this, your life is running amok. Who has who? So we see these ten principles. Now we're still taking this test. And we're using the acronym TET or TRUST. So we've given you, I have given you 
the R, the S, and the U. So now we have the S and the T that's left, right? So the S is, is that we must surrender everything to God. Surrender it all. It's all His. He's the source. We surrender it all to Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first in my house. Or they gave, them, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. This is Paul talking about the church. The church gave themselves to God first. They surrendered everything that they had. I think that would have been an interesting time to have lived in the very beginnings of the church. Whenever people literally sold everything that they had and not gave a tenth to the church, but gave it all to the church. And then the church took care of all because they had the means. So when did the church stop providing for the needs of the people in the community of the church or in the community in itself? When did the church stop doing what it was supposed to do? Does anybody remember when welfare first came out? Anybody remember when welfare first came out? Ron, when was that? long time ago. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to give me the year. Roosevelt was there. And y'all know why he did that, right? Because the church was not supplying the needs of the community. So the government had to. The church wasn't supplying the needs because the people quit giving. To the church to be able to supply the needs. But also the church began to say. If you weren't a member of this church. Then you couldn't get any of the needs provided. So we were not doing for the community. What we were supposed to do. Where was I going with that? No idea? Give to the church. That sounds good. Sounds good. The T is that let's test God's promises. In Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me, he says. Test me and see if it won't be so you know we look through all of this and, and I think this is a wonderful wonderful way to look at God and, and whether or not God can trust to us you know the thing is is that God says that you can trust me and we trust him 
Because every promise that he has given to us, he has fulfilled. Every single promise that he has given to us, he has fulfilled. So I can wholeheartedly, honestly look at you and I can tell you that God will provide for you. I can also look at you and wholeheartedly and honestly tell you that God will protect you. And then I look at you and I tell you that God is a covenantal God. And if you or we do not do our part within this covenant, then he cannot do his part in fulfilling that covenant. So whenever the scripture says that I am your God and I will provide for you and I will protect you, but what you need to do is to love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And if you don't do that, then I cannot, I cannot, I cannot do what I have promised you. He can't do it because he's a holy God. He says, I promise you that I'll do all these things for you. You've got to love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's what we've been talking about here, the trust. Can God truly trust us to do what he has asked us to do to fulfill the covenant with him? The Israelites couldn't. How many times do we find that the Israelites... Uh, you know, was uh, taken off into slavery and put into bondage because of their failure to do what God had asked them to do. Joshua told the people that you can't worship God the way that he requires for you to worship him. Because you haven't relinquished the gods that you have brought with you from the other side of the Euphrates River. Yes, you have me as God, but I'm not the only God. We sit here and we, you know, we're like, yeah, I, I trust God. But a problem comes into our lives and what do we do? We do exactly like the sailors in Jonah chapter 1, verses 13, 14, and 15. After they found out that Jonah was the reason why the storm came against them. And he told them to get rid of this storm. All you have to do is throw me overboard. What did they do? No, they kept rowing. They kept on rowing. They're like, no, we can do this. We can. We can do it. We look at God and we look at these principles and we are telling God that I trust you and you can trust me. But we're still trying to do it on our own. 
We know what we're supposed to do, but we refuse to allow God to be the God that He wants to be. The God that He has to be. So this morning, we're done with this. But you have to answer that question. Can God trust you to be the person that He needs for you to be? As Robbie comes, let's stand. Because this morning we're, we're at this we're at this point that we have to answer that question. We have to answer the question, can God trust me? Can He trust me to do what? Can He trust me to take my hands completely off? And to allow him to be the center and to be number one, to be everything in my life, everything in my heart. He is my all and all. And only then will we truly be able to put him to the test and to accept the praises and the blessings that he has for us. Every head, every head bowed, every eye closed. Each and every one of us have to answer that question. Have I allowed God to take inventory in my life? Have I allowed him to remove anything that shouldn't be there? Do I truly realize that God is my source? My source for everything. My source for the air that I breathe. For the blood that my heart pumps. He is the source of the food that's put on the table. He is the source of the house that's over your head. Do you understand that there are principles? There are things that He requires of us to do in this life. That we must live according to His will and His way. Have we surrendered everything to God? Or are we still standing here holding on to the fact that I think I can take care of this? I think that I can emotionally make it through this week.
are we ready to truly test? To truly put God to this test? Where he says that I will protect you and I will provide for you. There's those that have already made their way to the altar or there are others. Some of you might be standing there or sitting there today saying, but pastor, you don't understand my situation. No, I don't, but I trust God. I know Him. And I know that He is able. But I also know that we have to allow, we have to release everything. We've got to trust everything. not going to take much longer the spirit's been here all morning he's been working in our lives and in our hearts and yes there is a time that we must respond Heavenly Father, I do thank you, dear Lord, so much for today, for the message and the words that you have given to us. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would be with each one that is here, dear Lord, at this altar right now. God, I pray that you would touch their lives, dear Lord, that they would see you. And God, that they would be able to say, God, that you can trust me because I completely trust you. God, I pray, dear Lord, that they would turn over everything. God, that they would turn their hands upright, dear Lord, and release anything that they're holding on to. Their lives, their jobs, their family, whatever it would be. God, that they turn it over to you. God, I pray, dear Lord, that your blessings would be poured out on them. God, as they put you to the test, I know that you will not fail them. God, I thank you for all the promises that you have given to us. 
pray all of these things to this morning in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't forget the announcements that we have. Um, we have choir practice uh, immediately following, or not immediately following, but we have choir practice at 4:30. Uh, you know, so please come and be a part of that. Uh, Vacation Bible School starts the 18th, and then we also have Father's Day service, uh, special Father's Day service next Sunday, as well. But there's a lot of things that's in your bulletin, so please be mindful of those as well. All right. So let's stand for the benediction. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day and for this service. God, I thank you for each person that is here. I pray that your face would shine upon us and that the windows of of heaven will be poured out upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.